Welcome back to the winter cast. Here I am. The, the rain cast. <laughs> if you're listening, I'm in a hat and multiple layers and silly slipper socks because my boiler has broken once again. Do you feel warm or, or still cold? Like, do the actual layers help? Or um, if, if 10 is very sweaty and hot, about to burn up, Zero is hypothermia. Five is feeling perfect. I am a 3.5. That's a, a steep drop-off. If it's between five and hypothermia, you've only got five to play with. Between five and zero. Like, Should we do it over 100? Is that maybe... I think over over 20 would work. So you have the, like, the zero to... Like, 10 is perfect. Zero is hypothermia. You're absolutely right. Like, I shouldn't have picked a scale of 10, because... Like it's the hottest that you could possibly be at 10 and zero. And then you've got very little wiggle room to play with. Because 10 would have to be burns, wouldn't it? I think it would have, or, or, or is it like, we're not getting burnt, but we're in like a, a sauna turned up to the max. Can't tolerate yeah. it for a moment longer. Well, it's, it's got to be logarithmic, isn't it? Where 10 is death, but you, you only asymptotically approach mm. 10. Well, it's like a, it's tan, isn't it? It's tan. It is tan. <laughs> For anyone who remembers trigonometry, is that what that is? Trigonometry yeah. from school, there's sine, cosine, and tan. And tan is an S that logarithmically tends to one and minus one. Is that right? Very good memory of trigonometry. That's that's the kind of thing you've got to dust off in the corners of your unconscious yeah. mind. In a, like a red exercise book that has your name on and a, a dick drawing in the corner and like swastika dick drawing yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) little snapshot into our childhood there so johnny's also quite cold because he's in mm. a deficit which makes it it's like doing cold on hard mode um and it's all i think it's just cold cold by default pascal the disco pumper (laughs) (laughs) so this blew my mind this is a a coaching tip that I don't think either of us had ever considered. But now that you mention it, I'm like, wow, actually that really bumps up the premium feel of coaching. And that is, you said that Pascal sent you a video response with background music. Yeah. So Pascal, Pascal revives stronger. You can check him out on Instagram. His video replies are like his Instagram content. So it's like HD with like background lighting and, a very like nice, nice, pleasurable watching experience. And there's a little bit of quiet background music going on as well at the same time. I mean, it's a separate topic entirely to talk about like, what is he, what he, he is essentially doing is, is one-to-one customized coaching with, with responses. And he, he replied to me at like, he, he's such an impressive guy. He replied to me at like 5am. Like I sent him a check-in and he, on the evening, he replied to me at 5am. He's in Germany. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a time difference there, but um, getting him, sending a message to somebody at five in the morning, solid presenting skills, background music, 4k video. Looking it's fresh. Yeah. It's yeah. The, the whole package is, is very nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just put it, I think it's just the little touches, isn't it? In, in your coaching. I think that the thing that it makes me think of is when we, we went through a phase where we sent everybody a t-shirt. Do you remember that? Like we sent everybody a t-shirt yeah, and 
Um, was it just a t-shirt or did we do other stuff? We we did a mug for a while, but our supplier, like drop shipping <laughs> is such a ball ache. Like our suppliers kept drying up and then the printing, they'd be like, oh no, the printing thing's broken. So we can't do it this time. And and then posting stuff out and then you run out of the right sizes and you have to order 20 minimum, but you've you've got like 10 extra larges in your house. You mm. think, hmm, I don't think this 50 kilogram girl is going to appreciate a double XL. Yeah. And like, so that was our way of trying to over deliver, wasn't it? It's like someone would sign up and they would get like a, we'd send like cards to people, like welcome cards. We used to send birthday presents to people on their birthday. We used to send them a t-shirt when they signed up. We'd have like a face-to-face event a couple of times a year that people would come and train with us. All things you can think about that just level up your coaching in tiny little ways. Failing that, background music. <laughs> what, what I'm interested in is, has he put that in pre or post-production? Like, so I think what he does, I'll, I can I can ask him, but I think he plays, I think the software he uses like pulls in different feeds of audio. And I think he's got a YouTube video on another tab playing some background music, like playing like a, you know, like a one hour quiet ambient sounds track while he's doing all his check-ins, I think. Seven but hours like, of lo-fi beats and he's just got yeah. it on loop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very clever. And actually, when you think about it, that's the lowest effort way of doing it, isn't it? Because it yeah. doesn't even, you just pr- literally press play on a YouTube video, record your videos as normal. But what that, what that's doing is it's making watching your check-in response into a really like anticipated, pleasurable thing. Mm. Pavlovian conditioning. Genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even thought about that. So we have been sent something today that I think neither of us have actually seen this. So we will be reacting live. What a privilege. How exciting is that? Of a recent policy change or a change in guidelines of the American Academy of Pediatrics that fundamentally says that children struggling with obesity should be evaluated and treated early and aggressively, including 12 year olds to undergo surgery and medication in addition to intensive diet, exercise, lifestyle interventions. Um, The guidelines aim to reset the inaccurate view of obesity as a personal problem or a failure of the person's diligence and to consider obesity as a biological problem and a complex chronic disease. So, and then they've gone on to say, yeah, left untreated, health problems, high blood pressure, diabetes, depression can be the the kind of sequelae of not treating obesity. Mm. And this has caused a bit of uproar. Um, I had a lot of people being like, oh, Yusuf, what's your, what's your take on this? Because I suppose I kind of straddle the, the ground between preventative lifestyle based interventions and reactive medicine. Are you, I feel like you're hot, you're slowly hot potatoing me here. I feel like you're saying things that aren't an opinion and waiting for me to say my opinion. Oh, see, I see. No, I, I, I was, just taking, my, a, I, I was uh, taking a sip of my tea, but um, you were just. <laughs> no, but, but, but feel free to to chime in. Because I, um, well, I don't have the medical view. Um, I so I was overweight as a kid. I don't know how you would define 
obese. I don't know whether they're going by like a BMI rating or or how they. So, yeah. So I don't I don't know what my BMI would have been when I was overweight as a kid, but I was certainly overweight as a kid. Um, I actually, it's really difficult for me to give like a valid opinion that would that would apply to other people that aren't just me. But I'm I'm actually grateful that I had that experience. Um, just because I think it I think being overweight was kind of the and the the bullying that kind of came about as a result of it was the trigger to getting into fitness and learning about nutrition and training and what has ultimately dictated like what I do for a living. And I think had I not had that experience, had I just like been a healthy weight my entire life, I doubt I would have been in the position I'm in now. So I kind of look back on that and, and actually I'm sure it's not a very healthy thing to happen, like to spend your childhood years overweight. But I think from a, a big picture perspective, would I go back and undo it? Probably not. Like had I had a medical intervention at 12 to force that to not happen, I, I wouldn't have then, you're not then pushed down the road of like, look, you're overweight. You need to figure this out. Like you need to change your habits, change your lifestyle, learn how ultimately to to build this this different version of this that's going to last. You, you've just been dealt with by a hospital or a doctor yeah that that is fascinating as a perspective of like you very much are grateful for it you see it as a catalyst for pushing mm-hmm. you into a road that's fundamentally led to like why we're sat here doing a, yeah. doing a podcast yeah um so like a multi-decade change in your kind of life path and mm-hmm. identity and all these and health markers and everything else Yes, of course, some people would be would argue like, well, not not everyone has a rocky moment when they're thirteen and mm-hmm. and yeah, and that I, becomes totally. a, a catalyst. But um, there is a there's definitely a frame shift of you take a twelve year old, you over medicalize them, you put them on a GLP one agonist, and you offer liposuction. I imagine if you'd had that, what that's kind of that's that sub communicating to the child is, do you know what? Don't worry your agency over your own health let's take that away because you've got a medical problem and we're gonna do stuff to you and that'll solve it now yes from a epidemiological risk perspective or from a um, outcomes perspective like perhaps that's going to reduce your risk of high blood pressure and stuff in future assuming you can keep the weight off which is a big if and i don't know i don't know if we have data on that like if you put a 12 year old on on exenatide uh, one of these drugs like they're pretty new drugs. I can't imagine we have data on putting kids on them. And then assuming there's no unknown risks about these drugs too long-term, especially during a endocrinological development phase, like a window mm-hmm. where you're going through puberty and everything, you then have, have potentially given this child something which, um, can they keep the weight off when they when they come off the drug? Have they made any fundamental changes to their lifestyle? It, it's the it's tough because the whole the whole purpose of this guideline change seems to be a one about how we interpret obesity, what what the meaning of obesity is. So they're saying it view it it aims to reset the the view that obesity is a personal problem or a failure of the person's diligence and make it into a biological complex chronic disease type problem. Now, 
it's it's tough because they're, yes they're saying it's going to be in addition to lifestyle interventions and so on um final rant on this because i <laughs> i've just gone off on one here if you're 12 and you are obese you've not had enough time living independently for that to be a personal failing or to be down to to a sequence of your personal choices um you're still very much a child, like like you are financially or with any other domain of your life. So it, it seems like a sledgehammer to just instantly medicalize the child, do lots of stuff to them, even if it is diet and exercise and stuff, and not to account for the family environment and the parents and all of the supporting structures that's led to that point. Because we're just seeing a snapshot of a kid at, at 12 years old. Yeah. And I... Yeah, because how, how much control do they have over the meals they eat, the food they eat, when they eat, the portion sizes? Like you assume not that much at 12. Like maybe they're starting to have some say in it, but um, they they certainly aren't like going to the shop on a weekly basis and buying the groceries and deciding what they're, what they're eating. Like there's some, there is some agency taken away from it. So to, for that to then be like, right, you've passed this threshold where you now have to use medication to manage this. Like you're being put into this category where we're saying your route forward now is, is medication. You kind of not giving them a chance like that. Again, back to my story. Like it was, it was really when I was like 16, 15, 16, when I decided to like, right, I'm, I'm kind of old enough to realize that this equals this, that like looking like this equals a, an undesirable scenario and, and series of events in life. And these behaviors lead to looking like this. So I'm going to learn to change these behaviors. And that then led to the cascade of like, how do I stick? Well, ultimately they're enjoyable, right? Once you, if you like lose weight yourself and you see the results yourself and you've got, you've, you've got abs and that was stuff you did. I think that's the trigger to be like, I'll probably do this for the rest of my life now. Cause so many positive things come from that. Yeah. hundred percent. And you, you kind of mentioned there that like, it was only at 16 that you started to connect Mm -hmm. my my physical status has an impact on how people yep. react to me socially and my sexual identity and how girls respond to me and all these kind mm -hmm. of things that at 12 you just want to eat ice cream and play video games like there's no you, you haven't got this like long-term thinking you haven't even developed the cortical um that like cortical tissue to to make those kind of long-term decisions i also I, I don't know maybe you'll tell me differently and this is kind of where my my knowledge on this stops like is having a period of time when you're 12 having a high body fat percentage like is that going to have some sort of um long lasting health consequence that can't be reversed i think most of the consequences of obesity can be reversed um there mm. are some you know, you know intra arterial stuff that will be a lot slower to get rid of and mm -hmm. there's this thing about the you know rewiring of your brain and adipocytes being semi-permanent and all that kind of stuff but like is there a need to medicalize the child at 12? I think is the key question, isn't it? Like I, and I'm, I am all for like school interventions of, you know, Jamie Oliver going around and getting rid of the smiley face potatoes and yeah, <laughs> all, all the, the behavioral stuff, like brilliant and adapting the environment that kids are in. Um, but it's, it's a parenting problem. And I just think, like by removing agency from a child so early on and subcommunicating that it's not, it's not really in their hands. I don't think we're doing them any favors. 
it also seems like an odd thing to like if you're going to mandate something when someone's 12 and you're going to make something like a a rule or you're going to have a, a say in it why not make it such that like they're forced to exercise a certain number of, do you know do you know what i mean like why if someone if, if i'm 12 and someone's like i'm going to do this thing to you now like i'm going to give you this medication um so I, we're assuming it's out of their hands anyway, right? They're not going to be able to sit with a doctor and have an informed conversation about the pros and cons of the medication. Like, like they're going to be given the medication by their parents or by the by the, the the doctor. So why not just mandate other things? Like why not just say, right, you for the next ninety days, you've got to do seventy five hard. <laughs> like just make them all do seventy five hard, but like a twelve year old friendly version. I know that sounds ridiculous. And people are like, oh, you shouldn't force children to access it. Well, hang on, but we're forcing children to take drugs here. So, well, surgery, like, the, we we can't assume that it's a, so. Surgery has a significant risk. That <laughs> there's the the risk of the surgery and the, the recovery and the the infection risk and all those kind of things. But there's also the risk of anaesthetic, mm. which is also a non-zero risk and you you can you you can die from anesthetic so like if as a doctor if i have a patient where i'm thinking recommending general anesthetic and surgery for something which like we haven't really got an established cost benefit ratio for that population at that stage in their life it's quite hard to justify because imagine you're the doctor you recommend a 12 year old to do that we don't know if they could have adjusted their their risk factors and lifestyle through another means. And let's say it's the one kid that does die on the, on the operating table from anesthetic Mm -hmm. uh, complication. How do you explain to the parents? Yeah. So, ah, well on balance, we think on a population level, it's probably a Mm -hmm. good decision, but. It's when you look at the, like the one case, it's when the macro considerations kind of go out the window, isn't it? Like having the conversation with that, that, those parents doesn't really matter what the, the big picture data says. It's like ultimately that their, their child was overweight and there was an intervention put in place that, that caused them to lose their life. It's not really justifiable. And you go, why, why does he recommend the surgery? Well, it's to stop them dying earlier. Ridiculous. Well, like... <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I just think at that stage in your life and it's kind of, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but it's like the, the, the the gender discussion at those at that age as well at that stage in your life like i can't even really i don't have that many clear memories of being 12 and even when i'm like 18 like you you kind of think i've got i've got all this figured out but realistically <laughs> realistically you don't for another like decade right and even then it's like the thing of like what well, as soon as you th- feel like you've got it figured out that's when we you're only wrong. think that we've got it figured out and then in 10 years <laughs> time we're like god we were idiots at 32 like <laughs> yeah like 50, 50 year old versions of us will be looking back on these clips going like these two are twats they haven't got a clue <laughs> so like so you're, you're that age and you're you're just figuring out the the kind of the basics of like the thing is i suppose i'm talking about a a, a a version of all of this that is within within a range where like you change your habits and, and it'll be sorted out. I, I, what I, what I don't really know is like if someone's severely o- obese when they're 12 and that's just going to continue trending to be worse, which I assume is like what is driving these interventions. Probably. Yeah. But it's, where do you set the threshold? Because mm-hmm. like 
And, and my question is, do you know at the age of 12, whether somebody is intractably obese, like they, they just, yeah. that's it. It's a death sentence and there's nothing you can do to change. You just have to, you have to intervene with surgery now at 12. Like it, it seems very heavy handed. I wonder how many of the people who like appear on fitness magazines were overweight at 12. I bet it's a really high percentage. I bet there's like the people who are overweight at that age, that's the thing that drives them into, into fitness. I'm so fascinated by this, this thing of like the Genesis story argument, because you literally lived that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose like you lived just, just a different version of it, right? Like from the other side of that equation, like your, your journey was like building muscle, adding size. Yeah. That's but I was, I, I remember what my diet was like at 12 and it was completely hedonistic. You know, it was just right sweets to satiety play playstation um but it it just happens that my my appetite was lower than my uh my, my maintenance mm. so for me i didn't end up obese but like yeah <laughs> yeah genuinely like i i um i'm i'm like i'm thankful for that being the way that things were i i'm sure if you could go back if i could go back and experience like the the week to week of it, I probably wouldn't be thankful of it. Like the experience of it at the time was, was largely quite unpleasant, but I think a lot, a lot of things that happen in life, like a lot of good outcomes are kind of born out of this unpleasant starting point and you wanting to fix it because like, if you remove all of the, like, what do we do about the problem of someone who is 12 and an obese, they have to, at some point, at some level, whether it's through medical intervention or changing their own behaviors, they have to really want to maintain the changed outcome, right? They have to want to not be obese anymore. A hundred percent. And that, that's, and that has that's to come where, from something. Like, if you whip agency away from a child at that age, when it's mm. formative, like how does that impact how they see their, yeah. their approach? I mean, well, they're, they're fundamentally saying in this policy change, like we are changing it from a personal problem to a biological one which many people would interpret as like, uh, it's, it's like you've got autoimmune liver disease. Like it's just, don't worry, just, just give it to us as the doctors. We'll, we'll handle it. And well, if anything, I think it's likely to exaggerate the behaviors that led to obesity in the first place, because like, there's almost this safety net of, of like, well, moral hazard. Yeah. In some ways. So I guess it comes down to the like agency of a 12 year old. And, and as you said, there's a reason that you're not allowed to get a tattoo before the age of 18, because before the age of 18, you're an idiot. Because I don't think there's anything you can really legally do that's fun at 12. That's fun and permanent. Like that has permanent consequences <laughs> on your, on yeah. your life. Or may impact other people. Like, because you can choose your career at 12. That's fine. Cause it's, it's changable. You can. Mm -hmm. You can decide to get, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make a big difference. It like also really doesn't really kick in for another couple of years, whatever you pick, like you can change your mind at 13 and 14 and 15 and it still doesn't really matter. Yeah. And if you need to do another GCSE or something, then uh, mm -hmm. you can do it at 20. Oh, yeah. man, I've, I've had recurring dreams recently that like for some reason I needed two A-levels <laughs> in like some obscure topic. And I hadn't done any studying for it because I've been like, oh, it's bollocks. I, I, I don't need A-levels on. And then the exam's coming up. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, there's no way I can do this in a week. 
do you ever wish that you could face like a levels now like if you put like you now like your level of maturity and an organization into like 17 year old yusuf and go through that again how simple it would all feel i think it was still a big chunk of work and it was still quite totally Uh, totally but uh, (laughs) you're giving you're giving that to like the version of you that is just much more evolved yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i feel that about like me at uni as well you know you're like you're given this huge bodies of work and and projects to complete and deadlines to manage and oh yeah and you're up against the most um impulsive stupid version of yourself yeah having to deal with it it's yeah. just last man standing, isn't it? Really, like it's it's the, the the test is: can you just about cling on and get through this without like doing anything really damaging to anyone or anything? <laughs> this is exactly um, Johnny's argument for saying: if you're going to hire someone, hire someone with a degree, not because of anything to do with the content of the degree, but because it communicates: I can sit on my ass for four years and do a series of tasks and turn up at a location and do a thing and collect a paper at the end of it. Well, yeah, it's, um, you know, the analogy we were, do- we were talking about the other day, I think with, I don't think it was on a podcast, but like you're through school, all the way through school, you are the, you're the glider that's being towed into the air by another plane and you kind of reach this altitude and then you get unclipped and the plane goes away and suddenly like, Oh, oh shit, 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 shit. And that, that's you at uni because suddenly the structures are like, no one's checking in on you. There's no like lesson timetable that's strict. You can just not go to lectures and nothing uh, happens. Yeah. And there's just three years and you either get a degree at the end of it or you don't. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's exactly that. So so they, they have to have a way to signal like this person hasn't crashed and burned on the glider. Mm-hmm. And so if it's a degree, fine. If it's like, hey, here's a URL, I here's a web app that I wrote brilliant okay they're able to turn up it oh here's my kelly criterion which is like (laughs) here's my my portfolio performance meaning you've been able to look at a lot of data synthesize it turn up every day manage the risk generate a certain profitability it's just a very what what do they call it in like an unfakeable flex yeah yeah like a before and after with a newspaper yeah, well, I mean, your your body is a an, another business card, isn't it? So, just one more thing on that. The thing I think I I realize I'm slowly realizing about myself that the things that I um, aspire to achieve the most are the things that can't be where the outcome can't just be purchased. Yeah. <laughs> So like having a big deadlift, being lean, having a low golf handicap, having a big turnover in your business, you can't just like muscle your way into any of those things. Like it's, it's the, what it shows is I dedicated a decade of my life to this outcome and achieved it. That's why people have, get so annoyed at people who cheat in drug tested competitions. Mm -hmm. Or people who like grow businesses through illegitimate or immoral means. Yeah. Well, I think even within like the start, the tech startup world, there's still a point of pride about bootstrapping a mm-hmm. company versus 
getting funding from VC or family. There's a Netflix documentary series about Bernie Madoff and his Ponzi scheme. I'd recommend it. I think you didn't. It's just insane. <laughs> just flagrant. I'll, I'll have a look. It's worth um, watching. It's another one on the list. I've been watching Handmaid's Tale on your on your recommendation as well. Oh God, man! You're like, I think I probably watched that in like 2018. <laughs> really working through the queue. <laughs> um, what are we going to talk about? Is that it? So we were going to talk about um, how much do you earn as an online coach? But okay. I think since we've we've solved the obesity crisis. That's probably enough for one episode, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be really interesting. I think most people listening to this will work with people who are, are obese, have been obese, are on a weight loss journey of some description. And that is probably one of your expertise. It'd be really interesting to hear your thoughts on this. So either let us know, email us, post on our social media, post on YouTube, like wherever you're consuming this. And send um, us a voice message as well so the speak pipe <laughs> the, speak the infamous pipe. speak pipe <laughs> just click on the link in the description of this podcast and you can you can send us a voice note yeah join and join the debate join the debate if you want to be anonymized you can always put on a silly accent we won't mind as long as we can understand you <laughs> if you'd like to email us instead and have us read it out in a silly accent of your choosing that's also it's not we our preference, but it's all the it's, accent, though. But we specify it. Well, I, I, th I think they should. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. See you really soon. <laughs>